0: Hi everyone i'm margie alanese and this is shining bright these are the stories of everyday women who are making the ordinary extraordinary so today is earth day and i'm a pretty big believer that this is not something that we celebrate in just one day but that we celebrate every day year round as we are all here as stewards of the earth and so taking it way back my first memory of earth day we sang a concert when i was a kid and we sang all these songs when i was in like fifth grade i think about uh, what earth day meant and how we could keep the earth clean and i remember a song about shutting off running water right and so thinking about what this day means for not just me, but for farmers everywhere. Um, Regardless of where I go around the country, farmers are what I would say, some of the top environmentalists, the stewards of the land, uh, the sustainability masters out there. And I talk to FarmHERS a lot about this because it is first and foremost to their Uh, survival, you know, on on the farm and as a family and to their heritage and caring for their land comes uh, at a very high priority, right? And so as we celebrate Earth Day, uh, we are going to talk to a few women around the country and on this Earth Day, I'm choosing to focus on the dairy industry. I have a friend named Krista Hardin, who you've heard here before. She is, if you don't know who Krista Hardin is, I'll just tell you one thing. She is the biggest champion for women in this industry that is out there. She was formerly the Deputy Secretary of Agriculture for the United States under uh, Tom Vilsack. Uh, Just a few years ago. She's held many different positions at many different organizations um, Across the ag industry. She is from a farm family in Georgia, and we visited her mom actually uh, Jamie Hardin for the TV show and Krista is just a champion. I would say of women and of this industry and now she holds a position where she is the head of sustainability in the dairy management incorporated organization that really represents the dairy industry in this country and so uh, we're going to talk to Krista about what sustainability means as a farmer and uh, what her role is and kind of what her day-to-day is right now Um, because I'm sure many of you have heard the dairy industry is in not just a little crisis, a big crisis. It's it's been ongoing for a number of years, but it's kind of all coming to a head right now. And um, then we're gonna take it to Wisconsin and we're gonna visit another friend Dairy Carey, who I'm sure if you have been a part of the egg industry, you've heard of her here or there, somewhere in between. She's a blogger. She's gotten some uh, attention lately. She's had some blogs go out about dumping milk. So we're going to get the down low from her on what's going on. So stick with us on this episode about Earth Day. Okay, so we are going to take it to my friend, Krista Harden, who is the Executive Vice President of Global Environmental Strategy for DMI. And so you guys represent the dairy industry. Krista, welcome to Shining Bright. Thank
1: you, Margie. So good to see you and to hear that you're doing okay. You and your family are making the most of this time together.
0: Yeah, it's, it's good to see you. Um, it. I have to say, switching to this format where we have a visible part of this has been like one of the, the treats about being home and having time to dig into this, because I have to say, like, it just makes me like, so happy to see people, even if uh, it's (laughs) through a screen, right? (laughs) Yes, definitely. So uh, this is Earth Day right? Like we're here and this is upon us. Here we are late April. And in thinking about what we could talk about on Shining Bright, as um, as you know, and as I know, I, I see it all of the time, farmers are like the ultimate environmentalists, right? Like mm-hmm. there is very few people who care more about how the land is treated and how it's passed down amongst generations and and how, because it's their livelihood, you know, and and it's their tradition and it's their family and it's their heritage and it's so many things. Um, but you know, as far as the, the word sustainability, could you tell me a little bit about what sustainability looks like in the dairy industry?
1: I'll be happy to. I'm glad that you're doing this, Margie. I'm glad you're highlighting the work of farmers around Earth Day. I mean, it's a you know a global celebration, right? Um, a big anniversary for a lot of attention on one day or one week. And just reminding everybody that, that farmers, every for them, every day is Earth Day. They care so much, as you were saying, about our natural resources and how they're used, um, making sure they are there not only for them to make a living, but the next generations to come. So really Earth Day is just a date on a calendar. Um, it is an ethic, a commitment, the way they live. And it's just so important to help remind our friends and neighbors who don't um, understand agriculture as well as some of us that Earth Day does have a significance meaning, but it is every day. And for me, sustainability in a real simple terms, you know, it has, it's not just about the environment, it's the way the farmers can, can survive as well. It's that economic, you know, sustainability that is coupled with the environment, and making sure what they're doing, they're doing in a lasting way. In just mm-hmm. very simple terms, so that investment, um, that ethic, that stewardship commitment that they all have, is about doing it so it lasts. It lasts for their kids and grandkids, and for those to come.
0: Yeah, when I when I think about um, specific dairy producers that I've met who are doing specific things to help step their farm closer to being sustainable, you know, from an economic standpoint, but also looking at its environmental impact. Um, there is a farm in Connecticut, the Froyne family, and mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, if, if you, like, they take all of the, the they've, it's all robotic, right? And they take yeah. all of the poop, <laughs> and they, they <laughs> Uh, have a methane digester and they break it down. And, and it's such a cool episode to see like, literally they, they have a very like awesome footprint um, from their farm because they, of, of their like closed loop. And then they make it into these cow pots things, right? So that's one thing that pops into my mind. Is there things that you think about specifically when you think about um, ways that dairy farmers are, um, you know, helping their lessen their impact on the environment?
1: Well, depending on where you're farming, where dairy farm is located, they do a lot of different things. And the example you gave is a great, you know, a really kind of cool one. But using what we consider waste products and to buy products and a different revenue streams is something they do. But they also take other waste products and buy products and use them. A lot of like orange peels go into feed that would normally go into, you know, a, a landfill. Um have a, a great friend in New Mexico, wonderful farm woman, uh, dairy woman who uses peanut shells. And of course that's near and dear to me because my family farms peanuts in Georgia um, is bedding. So something that would normally be a waste product for another industry or go into your landfill or other streams they are actually reusing those products to either feed their cows, bed their cows. They're just so creative depending on where they are in the country Looking at what you know normally waste product you might see it can be cucumbers it can be carrots it can be potatoes peelings from different things mixed with a ration is actually good for the cow and makes really you know really good milk so I just think they're so creative I think they're so innovative they don't want to waste anything from any use from agriculture and again as you mentioned that the pots I think that's a great example of using manure in a different kind of way there are other examples of that. Um, they're always looking for different ways to help the environment and to be better stewards.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, farmers are like the, the great MacGyvers, right? Like on whatever <laughs> scale it is, they're going to, they're going to figure out how they can use something maybe from their neighbor and, uh, yeah. you know, turn it into something for themselves and maybe their byproduct goes on down the road too. And it's it, definitely, it's, it's cool. that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, because that's the reality of growing food is, you know, that there's inputs and there's outputs and it, it all it all circles and uh, dairies, dairies are unique. I actually another thing popped into my mind. There was a dairy um, just outside of St. Louis, Missouri, that we visited mm-hmm. and they had come up with a way to take their whey, which is the yeah. byproduct of, of making cheese and. They uh turned it into whey ice, so they had like a protein, like a fruit slushy protein drink that they sold right there on their farm, and they have like you know thousands and thousands and thousands of people through their farm it was It was cool, and I, I didn't want to drink it at first because the idea of it sounded kind of like <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it was really good. I drank the whole thing, so i I just love it like they're they're innovation,
1: so- innovation, innovation. they're always looking for ways to take other people's waste and take their own. Yeah, And there is no food waste from amount of dairy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: OK, so let's shift gears a little bit. You said, you know, thinking about sustainability isn't just um, just the earth. Right. It's it's the ability for them to continue to um, operate. And right yeah. now, obviously, things are are kind of just crazy out in the world and, and in the food production world, especially, right? We've, we've had some disruptions that nobody, mm-hmm. I think, probably saw coming. Can you give me a little bit of the lay of the land from uh, your yeah. view, from that higher view level about what's going on in the dairy industry?
1: Well, we have about 38,000 dairy farmers in the U.S., all sizes in every state. They're all scattered all over and no two dairies are the same neighbor to neighbor. You're going to you know, have a little different um, but they're all dealing with these issues and they're all really facing really tough economic times. Dairy cows have to be milked two, three times a day and where that milk goes um, is a big part of a question for every day. So there are definitely bottlenecks right now and some of it's in processing, just getting milk from the, you know, from the farm by a truck to the right processor, how that processor is actually dealing with their market with all most of our restaurants closed, our feeding institutions are closed, our schools are closed. So just the packaging, if you're used to doing small cartons of milk and now you need big gallon jugs or you have big bags of milk that go to a restaurant, then now you need more cartons. Um, you package cheese and big blocks for a restaurant or you know, a cafeteria or an institution, now you need it, smaller blocks for a family home. So many touch points, so many questions, and with schools closed, which is a big part of our nutrition, you know, um, element for a lot of families. The so kids get at least two meals. You know, many many kids get their two meals a day at school. Thirty million kids a day. That what's happening there is also very troublesome. You also have food banks, you know, that are calling, you know, saying, hey, we need food. We have warehouses. We have money. We can't get perishables. And we have long lines and people who are in line for the very first time. What is happening in our country is hitting every family, some, you know, more directly than others. Some people don't have jobs. Kids are at home. Parents are trying to juggle. If somebody does have a job, it's child care issues. But at the root of everything is, can I feed my family nutritious, safe food? And our farmers want to do that. They're used to doing that. They want to be able to do that. But it really is difficult. And, you know, I I talk to farmers and I really sometimes just have to put it on mute. Um, I tear up. My my voice cracks because I hear theirs. Um, This is a tough time to be in agriculture, but it's also a critical time. So support for our farmers, sometimes it's, you know, through government support, public-private partnerships, working with Feeding America, a great partner for us, trying to figure out how do we ma- do the matching game? How do we take the food and find the people and help them get the right products and the right size containers, the right products they're looking for to help feed their families? So it is a tough time, but goodness gracious, farmers are so resilient. Um, they're so positive. They're so committed to what they do. Nobody's throwing in the towel. They're all just saying, "I want to be creative. I want to be innovative. Help me figure this out." Talk to farmers every day, and you know why their voices will crack and they they sound tired. I'll be honest with you, and they sound a little frustrated. They all are looking for the bright side of this. How do we make this work? And how do we make it better? How do we keep this great product, you know, flowing into um, the mouths and bellies of those who need it you know it's just that simple um, but you know we we continue to, to try to look in coalitions we try to find other partners to find these answers but um, I appreciate you highlighting the good work that farmers are doing you know across the country and we all know the backbone of women you know I am going to talk about women and in dairy it's one of the things that really interested me about going into this industry just about a year ago was the women who are involved the leaders yeah. that are this my chair is a a female farmer um in pennsylvania i talked to her yesterday Nobody's smarter or more um creative or hardworking um, than marilyn hershey and women across this country um are going to their own family businesses and trying to find you know answers to these these crises and we'll survive it farmers always do um but uh, it, it is a tough time there's no doubt
0: it it I agree. If there was ever a group of people that are used to ups and downs that are out of their control, <laughs> like farmers are it, right? Like that, that, yeah. that's so normal. Um, but the, I, I just think it's, it's as it unfolds, the challenges are just not what anybody could have expected, you know, and, and even here in Iowa, you know, we've had some processing plants starting to shut down because it's reaching into a, what is a, uh, sadly like a, a it's a it's a critical um, part of the workforce the people who yes. work at these processing plants but probably some of the least equipped people to be able to uh, sustain through something like this and it's just breaks my heart all up and down right but it it's the way that, that the food moves through and it's uh, becoming so clear right and, and I think that that's, that's good for all of us to probably better understand like how important different parts of the food chain are, you know. I
1: think that awareness is important, and in every step of the chain, I think about the workers in the processing plants. You know, lower paid jobs sometimes, folks right on that front line, but so critical to getting product out. How vulnerable they may be. Workers on farms as well. Yep. Um, I had one farmer tell me um, this week that um, a lot of their workers don't have child care. And so they're worried what to do. And sometimes whole families work on the farm. It's just that kind of an atmosphere, as you know, and they're offering actually schooling. One of the spouses is providing classes for the workers' kids. So it's kind of a mini daycare. They come, they bring their books, they bring their little iPads. They use the Wi-Fi at the barn because they don't have it at home. And they're doing their schooling. And you just see that just examples of that across agriculture of the family atmosphere of helping every worker on the farm, every family impacted by that farm coming together to find solutions during these times and being resilient, staying positive, staying focused on really what's most important. You know, they're humbling. Farmers really do humble the rest of us when you look at what they have to deal with. Um, But just that perseverance, want to stick with it. Yeah, stick-to-itiveness, that's
0: for yes. sure, right? Uh, okay, so you, you talked a little bit about what leadership um, uh, through the dairy industry and, and maybe even, you know, as we look across agriculture overall is doing to help ease these bottlenecks. Are, are you guys, um, you're making those connections, you said. Is there anything else specific that you want to talk about that is happening kind of at those levels to help ease what's happening for everybody. Well, I
1: will say that it is a public private effort. You know, the government is stepping up um, and and trying to help farmers directly, trying to help businesses directly. I think that, you know, the private industry is, we, we have a number of partners that we deal with, companies that are coming retails who, you know, their doors are shuttered. And so they're saying, how can we use our equipment? How can we use our parking lots to feed people? How can we get food to folks? How can you use our kitchen? you know, to process and prepare meals for schools. It's just amazing to me to see how everybody is trying to think, what can I do? How can I use the resources I have to help food and beverage industry and help feed people? So I think, you know, dairy is is the is one of the biggest industries in agriculture, it's certainly a, the biggest perishable um, in trying to see, you know, what we can do and what coalitions we can work with, with other perishables like fruits and vegetables, our egg friends, the meat industry really trying to all come together to see can we help provide refrigeration for places who don't have it like food banks can we help with storage warehousing that will keep these perishables you know around more no one wants to see you know carrots plowed under or onions buried in idaho whatever it might be when people are hungry so we've got to get some answers to some of these basic questions on transportation distribution storage refrigeration so Bringing all the great minds alike is what we're trying to do, to work in that coalition, form that coalition, to to find some solutions and quickly, um, because it seems we're going to be at least parts of the country um, in this situation for for weeks to come.
0: Well, that is encouraging, for sure. And I agree, like seeing uh, weather on the local level in your community or even down at the farm level or all the way up through the layers it's what people are doing to come together is is i i would say that that's a silver lining in a lot of this right that you, you it is heartwarming and it, it makes you go okay we got this like we can do this we're um, gonna get it
1: we may not be there but we're gonna get it
0: yeah yeah so how are you hanging in krista i mean mm-hmm. you uh play a very important role uh, i uh, talk about you a lot and that I say you're, you're the best champion there is for women in this industry, whether it's in professional roles, on production roles, anywhere in between. Um, and so how are you, how are you holding up in this?
1: Um, there are moments like all of us, you know, um, I miss the things that matter, you know, for my kind of fun life. I've worked really hard and love baseball. I love going to my church and seeing friendly faces. I, Want to go to Georgia to see my parents on that farm. And there's a lot of just going out to dinner with, you know, my girlfriends. Some of the basic things that, frankly, I, you know, sustain me after after the tough work weeks. Um, So I miss all that, but I am trying to make the most of it. Um, I'm always reminded of farmers don't get to do that kind of stuff always anyway. And certainly in dairy, it is seven days a week. Um, so I do remind myself to be grateful. Um, we have uh, my leadership team had a Zoom call today, and I have to tell you, I'm tired of looking at it in the mirror all day on the Zoom. You know, <laughs> I, know. Like. I know, I um, know. After my nights, one at the end of the day, I'm like, boy, you look old and tired. But anyway, um, I did a thing today with my leadership team, which is is all women, by the way, um, and said, "What's your word of the day?" And everybody had, you know, a great word, you know, and in Chicago, it's snowing and it's sunny in another part of the country and we're all scattered. And mine was grateful. And I just keep reminding myself, I have so much to be thankful for. I have a great job for great people who I know make a difference. Um, and what their commitment, not only to feeding people, but caring for the land. We have a slogan, um, good for people, good for community, good for planet. And I think that just sums up dairy. I mean, it really does in my mind just capture um, who they are as a people. So I am grateful to to have them in my life and for friends like you. Well, I am
0: uh, grateful for technology too today so that we can see each other's face because gosh, like again, you know, the things that you don't realize that you'll miss when you're always around people anyway. um, Yes. You know, it's it's a bit shocking. Um, Okay, so one last question. What would you like to tell those producers who are out there on the front lines um, from, from where you sit and from the voice that you have? What would, what would you like to say to them?
1: The first thing would be thank you. That comes to mind. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your commitment. Thanks for not giving up. Thanks for being innovative and creative, for taking care of people like me. I have to tell you, I eat ice cream every night just to help my dairy farmers. <laughs> So, I may not be able to wear my clothes after all this because my my um serving may be bigger than normal, uh, but in all seriousness, I just say thank you, and the other is that you're not alone. I think they may feel isolated at times, they wonder if anybody hears or sees their troubles, their worries, they try to be so strong, and I just want them to know that we care about them, we have their back, we're fighting for them in every way possible that they have the resources they need. So it's thank you and that you're not alone. That's wonderful. Thank you so
0: much for joining me here on Shining Bright and uh, sharing this, I think, important message, not just on Earth Day, but but on any day, right? So thank you. Well,
1: thank you for thanking me. Thanks to the Farm Her crew, y'all are a loyal group to get the message out and continue to push forward. And a special thanks to our women farmers. I know they always juggle. I know they always wear so many hats um, and even more so my guess is right now with some of them with kids at home and trying to juggle workers, families and all the things. So they always will have such a special part in my heart. So a special thanks to them. Very grateful for them and for you. Thanks, you take care. Okay, so we're gonna take it
0: up to Wisconsin and to Carrie, AKA Dairy Carrie. Welcome to Shining Bright. Hello. Yeah, how are you? Yeah.
2: I am okay. As okay as a mom of a four-year-old and almost two-year-old can be right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: when we've all been, I mean, my kids are eight and 10 and I, I've said it to Tony, like, if not a hundred times, like if they were two and four, I think, um, I'm, I'm so sorry for you. I feel like I need to send a shipment of alcohol to you or something, uh, because. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say no. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, my kids, I can say like right now, I can threaten them to stay upstairs and away from the studio, right? But like you, a two-year-old and a four-year-old, no, you, you, like, especially we were just talking, how's your two-year-old, uh. You know, is he a, a climber, is he a runner, is he a hitter, what is he?
2: Um, He's hell on wheels, <laughs> is what he he's is. All of it. Um, he has a real thing for slapping my laptop shut every time I open it. Um, I'm not allowed to work on the computer if he's home. Um, and my older son, Silas, was pretty chill as a two-year-old. And, and I kind of recognized it even then, even not really being around a lot of two-year-olds. I'm like, you know, from what other people say, I feel like Silas is a pretty decent two-year-old. Um, and I was right. <laughs> but Ben, Ben is paying us back for that easiness. And Silas um, had actually just held out to be terrible force. Yeah. That's <laughs> really, really how that's working out. So now I have two of them at the same time who are killing me. Love it. Just killing me. Yeah. It's great. You know what? This too (laughs) shall
0: pass. I am here to tell you because I remember those days very clearly. I do. Uh, Though some of it is actually blacked out of my mind. Like some of it is gone forever and we can be thankful for that. But we still always say like the only reason that our second child is still alive is because he's so cute or he was cute at the time. Right?
2: Amen. <laughs> and the last time we were together is when I was pregnant with Ben. And do you remember how much problems he was causing me even then? I do. I was <laughs>
0: thinking about that the other day. He has, he has, he owes you in life. He better
2: do great things, right? Every step along the way, Ben has made sure to be a problem. And I love the kid dearly. And he's adorable, but wow, <laughs> he is a lot. So,
0: okay, so we, we, uh, everyone knows that you've got Ben and Silas. So, tell me just a little bit else about yourself, um, uh, who you are, what you do, where you are, those things.
2: Yeah. So, I grew up in the city, I had no connection to agriculture whatsoever. Um, and I ended up married to the son of dairy farmers, but he was not the kid that was coming back to the farm. Um, he had a job in town and you know, was ag involved, but wasn't gonna be a dairy farmer. Um, and fast forward, oh, 11 years now, and we're both dairy farmers. <laughs> uh, we've uh, been working on transitioning. His parents are retiring. We've uh, bought the herd and are buying the rest of the farm from them now. So we milk about a hundred cows and raise crops on about 250 acres. Okay. And you are in Wisconsin, right? Yep. Yep, right between Madison and
0: Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Home of so much dairy. OK, so like, let's just... and what? And Culvers. Oh gosh. I love Culvers. We uh, actually, maybe that's what I want for supper tonight. you know, in, in this era of um, we're, um, you know, at home, I find myself being so much more like my mom and understanding my mom who's like at 8.30 in the morning. She's like, what should we have for dinner? You know, and I'm yeah. now I'm like, what are we going to have for dinner? Let's look forward to something. So maybe I need yeah. some
2: Culver's cheese yeah. curds on my plate tonight. That sounds like... I just keep wondering why these people in my house ex- keep expecting me to feed them every day. Yes, I know. <laughs> like,
0: Here, <man. laughs> Here's the other good thing about when your kids get a little bit older. Um, with this, I was like... Okay. Life's changing. You guys have to unload the dishwasher, fold all the laundry every day and clean off like the bathroom surfaces. So like they're doing it. I mean, that's that's awesome. Someday you'll Uh, get there. We're not there. I don't want to wish for another quarantine when your kids are that age, but it has prompted my kids into like, they have nothing else to do.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, that'd be nice. Yeah. We're not there. We're still struggling with the four-year-old to put his underwear on the right way. I didn't know that there were so many ways to put your underwear on wrong. Well, don't hold out too much hope because my eight-year-old,
0: I have zero confidence if he's even wearing it, if it's on right, and I won't go into any other details. Okay. (laughs)
2: I gotcha. I gotcha.
0: (laughs) So I have been reading your blogs. Kudos to you on being out there, being in front of this and being the voice of this industry right now. I think it's, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around, like putting yourself out there, right? You, You do it. You have been doing it, but to, to jump out in front of these things. And so let's talk about the, the first one, the first big one that I saw a couple weeks ago. Right. And, um, talking about dumping milk and give me a little overview of the why and and what's going on behind the
2: behind you know the news headlines sure so um it started after quarantine right people weren't going to restaurants schools were closed and i didn't even grasp what that meant for our farm in the beginning um but all of a sudden people, you know, were buying products at the grocery store, and not buying, you know, as much food from restaurants, restaurants are closed down everywhere. And all of a sudden, it created this huge backlog of fluid milk. Um, And so farmers had to start dumping milk about a week and a half, two weeks ago now. Um, And we're not talking like one or two semi loads, we're talking about hundreds of semi loads a day of milk that is getting dumped. And You know at first i was like what in the world like it didn't click i don't think anyone saw this right like how could you even
0: have thought through like something like this yeah no
2: yeah yeah who who knew so you know i talked with a bunch of of friends of mine um laura daniels i think you've talked with her before um she and i had a phone call and i'm like this doesn't make sense and she's like no it doesn't and then we just kind of kept talking it through and came to the realization of actually this does kind of make sense. So about 7% of fluid milk is served in schools. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Lots of schools are still feeding kids. Most schools are, but they're not feeding anywhere near the amount that they were before. Right. Right. So there's, there's a big amount of milk right there that is just stopped, lost kind of right. No, no home for it. Exports. Of dairy products stopped stopped pretty much right so there's more milk and then all that milk that goes into not filling a glass of milk necessarily at a restaurant but into cheese into pizza toppings into all sour cream all these these things that you know our dairy products have stopped you know, the orders have stopped. So there's this big backlog in factories and warehouses and nothing's moving out. So you can't bring anything more in because there's just no room. And so that, that made sense. So we're talking, um, I think 51%, it's either 49 or 51% of dairy is consumed outside of home. So we're talking like half, mm-hmm. half of all dairy products consumed outside of home. I never realized that. And it, so, okay. Yeah, I didn't either, and it was shocking. And so, you know, people are still eating, but they're eating at home. And so why can't they just continue eating the dairy products that they would at a restaurant at home? And and that's where it goes into scale. So when a restaurant orders sour cream, our favorite Mexican restaurant in town is not buying a 16-ounce tub of sour cream. Right. They're buying that. Yeah. Of sour cream. Like, sour cream. Probably not. Yeah, probably not a 55 gallon drum, but you know, they order sour cream in pounds and not in tubs. And so the backlog really is is how to switch our production facilities from being making these huge quantities to making smaller quantities that can go to the stores. And and then everyone started panic buying, right? Right. right. So so our, our dairy processors are like, okay, we're going to switch as much as we can to this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden all the store shelves were cleared out. Whoa. <laughs> so, Crazy. you know, they had to just completely retool everything and, and it's just not something that can be done really quickly. No. So I explained that in my blog post and it, it seemed to really hit um chord with a lot of people that, that, we're questioning why we couldn't just donate the milk and right. and why we couldn't just you know yeah stock the shelves that were bare yeah
0: yeah it's it's those in between pieces that um across the food chain whether it's milk or or greens or produce like it it's it's everywhere right, right. and and then i if i put myself in the shoes of someone who runs a, a, a processing or production right i go okay so I'm gonna switch my whole process over, but what if this changes back in a few weeks, right? Because we're talking right. a massive amount of money and a massive, like just a a fallout change for them. So I, yeah, it, it's problems on so many levels that uh, we didn't know before, but I guess now is clear. So maybe, uh, you know, if and when, and I hope it never does, this happens in the future, we can have a better path for people so that this isn't this isn't the thing. Okay, so tell me, Um, take, take me to the farm right now, right? Okay. So that, that's the issue. Are you guys having
2: to dump milk? Do you still have an outlet for your milk? What are your cows doing right now? So we currently still have an outlet for our milk. We have not had to dump milk yet. Now, could that change tomorrow? Absolutely. There's like no certainty. My big concern right now is Um, What we're seeing a little bit in the proteins world where plants are having to shut down because of workers, um, worker shortages and and trying to, you know, socially distance um, workers is slowing plants down. Um, That's my concern. So our cooperative um, is doing okay right now, but, you know, all it takes is one sick employee to spread it. And and things could change really quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's that's scary. It's it's a reality. We've
0: had a, a number of a variety of types of ag processing plants shut down here in Iowa um, over mm-hmm. the last uh, days, weeks, and I keep saying this is going to have a bigger ripple effect than I think anybody realizes in you know another two or three weeks because. These are massive amounts of food that are moving through these facilities, right? And so right. it is scary. and and the workers are, as you know, uh, many times people who uh, can't stay home, right? like they're they're considered essential workers right now. And their living conditions probably aren't uh, fabulous. they They might live amongst in close quarters with a lot
2: of other people too. And so it's like the, the spread is going to be real. And one of the things that's uh, changed even from when I wrote my blog post just a couple weeks ago is we have this pendulum swing. So everyone went out and panic bought, you know, they bought all the milk and they bought all the yogurt and they bought all the cheese and now they have all the yogurt and all the cheese still. So now they're not out buying it. And, um, and my worry now is that as people are, um, Buying or, or hearing these headlines of all these plants shutting down, we're going to have another big round of panic buying. Is, is my concern, and and I don't know how anyone can expect our food supply to keep up with this kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's
0: it's crazy. The me mentality is scary of what happens when everyone gets worried, right? And and it's real, and yeah. um, we see it and. Yeah, I agree. I, I read I think in one of your blogs, we're not chipmunks loading our cheeks full of <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I was I could picture chipmunks sure. at the grocery store loading up everything
1: and running <laughs> yes, out of the
0: grocery yeah. store. I've seen them there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's real. So um, you guys, life on the farm. Tell me tell me what mm-hmm. uh, life in quarantine at a dairy farm looks like. Do you have workers at your farm still? Uh, are you guys on, uh, is it family all on board because you can't have other people coming in right now? Like
2: what does it look like in your ability to function as normal? So we have one full-time employee and two high school kids that milk for us. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're smaller than a lot of, um, other farms that that have more employees, but we sat down at the start of this with our employees and said, "Hey, you know, we farm with my elderly in-laws." Sorry, Kathy, if you watch this, that I just called you
0: <laughs> probably technically by, by some old... numbers, like in how demographics work, right?
2: <laughs> right. It's just you're you're at higher risk because of your age, right? So we we farm in close proximity with them. And we were concerned that, you know, if our employees weren't necessarily taking this seriously enough, that they could bring something onto the farm. And it turns out our employees are, were already taking steps. Like our our full-time employee who's 19 um, used to, like every day go to town to, to quick trip or Culver's or something to get lunch and he had actually said oh no i actually started bringing my lunch from home like a while ago and i'm not going I, I thought about this ahead of time and you know we talked with our high school employees and they were on board i mean they're their brother and sister which is helpful for us yeah <laughs> their mom was like no nope, you guys are staying home yeah um and frankly it's been my father-in-law that's been the hardest to to keep home he's the one who keeps wanting to go to town um, he wants life to kind of be business as usual and uh that's been hard. So we've been pretty quarantined. My my husband is the one that has been designated the grocery getter, and uh I guess we, we have offered him as tribute yep. to <laughs> us <this. too. laughs> Tony yeah. goes out in yep. the
0: world and I'm a shut in here. Yep.
2: Yeah. So he grocery shops for, for both my husband or, or for both our house and my my in-laws so um and everything else we order what we can and um just try to to keep going on I'm thankful that we have space for our kids to to be outdoors and move around and I just can't imagine how hard this is for people who are in the heart of the city um in apartments with kids I I just wow Uh, yeah I can't either right
0: I I I agree with you I mean we don't have a farm, but we have green space, and we can get out, and we have a yard, and you know we can get right. some fresh air pretty easily without being around other people at all. So we are uh, fortunate, mm-hmm. and and that is one fortunate thing about being a farmer right now. So way to way to have yes. that silver lining. Okay, um, so also. You know, dumping of milk isn't the only issue out there. The, the, the price that you guys are uh, getting paid. Yes. And, and this is not, I feel like this is an old conversation, right? I'm sure that we've talked about this before, probably on Shining yeah. Bright. You know, uh, yeah. the, the, the milk prices for a number of years, you guys have, have had a lot of struggles in this industry to be able to get paid enough to to sustain. And so what are you guys doing right now? Is there anything you can do right now as a farm, as you look to the future, to try to prepare yourself to to be in a position where you can try to handle what comes your way. I, I don't know if there is an answer to that, but, but yeah. what is it if, if you know it?
2: Yeah. <laughs> the secret of life is what that is. What um, is it? we, <laughs> we, you know, signed up, you know, a couple years ago, they came out with an insurance program that was going to kind of help with us. We did sign up for that. Um, there's a lot of farms who didn't uh, right now, we we don't know. You know, all of our commodities are on the struggle bus right mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. The The thing that's different is that dairy had been on the struggle bus for about five years and we had just gotten off of the struggle bus. Like, Like our milk price has been at or lower than cost of production for years. And we had finally just gotten to the point where we were... Like able to pay off some debts and and not pay off make payments on I should right, say like right. we weren't we weren't rolling in the cash stay, by any means stay afloat yeah. as an in, right as an industry but we were just finally to the point where we weren't losing every money money every day we were in business so yeah. um, now we're back on the struggle bus again and um, and the struggle bus is on its way to poor town <laughs> um, we're we're looking at. Milk price next month, um, maybe $10 a hundred weight, which is uh, just like, I mean, that's really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad.
0: You're way below the line of being able to stay
2: uh, profitable at that point, right? Right. You know, we're talking about even on a farm our size losing thousands of dollars a month, thousands and thousands of dollars a month just to keep the lights on at $10. Mm Um, so, and I'm hoping that by the time this podcast plays, we'll have, um, Secretary Purdue will have come out and said, okay, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hasn't yet. And that's really weighing on a lot of people's minds because right now there is no, there's no way to know what tomorrow will bring. Yeah. Um, there's no way for us to even plan because we just... We just don't know. Um, and, and even with that insurance plan that I mentioned, that insurance plan will help us to lose yeah. less money, but it's not enough to even keep us um, from losing money. Right. Yeah. Is so that a federal
0: insurance program. A
2: yep, insurance program? Um, yep. It is. It's a dairy margin, uh, coverage program. So, yep. um, and I had actually petitioned to reopen the program for people to sign up. And, and I got a lot of flack for that because people are like, it's insurance. You don't get to have insurance after your barn burns down, that kind of thought. But my thought with asking to reopen it is that here is something that we already have the framework for right. out there. FSA has it in their offices. They know how to run it. They, they have the signatures. They don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And it's the fastest way to help farmers. Um, And Secretary Perdue has now said that he's not going to reopen that, which is frustrating, because what it leaves for us is waiting and not knowing. And then once once Secretary Perdue announces the plan, then we have to wait for the plan to um, roll out. And then we have to wait for FSA to to get the plan and and learn the plan and know the plan. And, and then how do we go to FSA right now safely to sign the papers for the plan? And it, it just creates a much longer waiting time. Yeah. Um, so my, my thought with reopening DMC was that it was like the fastest way to do this. Um, but I yeah. guess we, we'll see,
0: we'll and see what happens. Is there normally one um, like enrollment period a year and that's what you're talking about like wanting to reopen that enrollment period yeah uh crop insurance industry veteran here and so yeah i i do understand that there's issues on both sides of that but i i can understand exactly what you're saying that there is a structure in place. And, and if we've right. learned anything like through this uh, PPP program that's out there for small businesses, which farmers could mm-hmm. apply for, right? To, uh, there's no yeah. structure. And so right. like talk about chaos and and that's by right. no fault of anybody. When you throw $350 billion out into the world and say, here's <laughs> right. here's overnight, here's how we're going to administer this. Like g- good luck yeah. on, on so many levels.
2: Right. So I, right. I understand what you're and, saying. W- We applied for that. We got accepted at 7 o'clock p.m. the night before they've said, okay, it's closed. We're out of money. So we have no idea for sure that we will even get that. Like we're approved, but we hadn't signed like the paperwork yet for the loan. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm reading that.
0: Yeah. There's who knows, but I think there'll be more money unfortunately and then then you have more scary things coming down the pike for our government right like in the in the long run but we could I could talk to you about all the reasons I'm scared all day long so um Right. But, but, let but me, let's not. <laughs> no, let me ask you this. How are you doing? Uh, you know, we talked at the beginning. You've got little kids at home. You are the voice uh, in many ways for this industry right now. I'm sure that you got people knocking on your door. They want to talk to you. Uh, I know I connected you. I hope hope that worked out with uh, RFD TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. everyone kind of wants to, to probably get a piece of this right now, you know, and how are you doing? Like, how is Carrie? Are you okay?
2: You know, it depends on the day right now. Yesterday, I was not okay. Yesterday, the F word was just in about every other sentence. It just was. And by the time my husband got home from the farm last night, and I was trying to like, grill food and keep the kids like in the house because they you know had no pants on and they (laughs) were screaming and one wanted to help help with a puzzle and I just really (laughs) I had a nice cocktail after he got home and hid in the bathroom for a little while yeah the bathroom is a great place yeah. to hide man. Yeah. It really is. Put your phone uh, with my cocktail.
0: <laughs> your drink. <laughs> I am with you. I, you know, ups and downs are very real and and thank goodness for that F word sometimes
2: cause it just needs to come out. Right. But, but today I'm better and I have something cool I'm working on. I want to share with you. Yeah. I hope you don't mind a little plug for this, Let's but um, I started a GoFundMe. Okay. And then I started another GoFundMe. Okay. Um, I have two GoFundMes running. I started a little challenge. So as an advocate online, um, I've been online for a long time. And, you know, I've had activists on my page many times. And right now, unfortunately, the folks like me who are out there sharing their stories have really been under attack by um, animal rights, vegan activists. Yep. I tried to do something good. I'm trying to do something good. I had started with the idea of fundraising to buy cheese curds for the food bank, right? Mm-hmm. Um I was like I'm going to do a $10,000 fundraiser and I'm going to figure out how to get this distressed milk made into cheese and get it donated. Yep. So over last weekend I um sorry, I, you're fine. My screen just went blank. Um over last weekend I sat down with um a couple friends socially distanced like one was on, on a video call and one was like across the table, yep. like long long ways. So we were good. And we hammered out a plan. We had this whole plan. And then I woke up on Tuesday morning, the morning I was set to launch this, to hundreds of comments calling me horrible names. yeah, um, And just a ton of nastiness. And I s- didn't hit publish that day. Well, I, I did later, but I stopped and I thought, and I thought, you know what? It's time to build a bridge. So I started two GoFundMe's two separate GoFundMe's, one to buy dairy products and then one to buy uh plant-based whole food products that vegans would get behind. So mm-hmm. I put out a challenge for the dairy lovers and the vegans, and I said, whichever fund raises more money, I will donate out of my pocket too. Um so so far, dairy is winning by a lot, but my ultimate goal is that I get both fundraisers fully funded and we can donate $20,000 worth of food to the food pantry, because I think that's um, really important. And I hope it's something that both sides can come together on. Oh yeah. Well, good for you. I love that building a bridge, right? Like, I
0: mean, this has been a long time issue in in this industry for, especially for dairy. Uh, And so cheers to you. And you know, um, we're, running a fundraiser on our side too. The food banks need it so heavily. I mean, uh, despite sure. all the, the fears and the concerns I have for the coming months for us too, right? Like as a small business, um, mm-hmm. th- the reality is that, that there's people out there who need it so much worse. and. Uh, yeah. So yeah, get get those curds into their hands, right? <laughs> yes,
2: I I got to make some phone calls yesterday and and start getting things lined out to to get this done, and it's really exciting. Good for you. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I might take one tanker load of milk off of yeah. off of the market. And that's not a ton, but for the, everyone who gets cheese curds, gosh, that's going to mean a lot, right? Yeah, it is.
0: It is. It really is. It can, uh, a little can go a long way in these situations, unfortunately. So for sure. one last question. I was watching, um, I believe it was Inside Edition the other night, and there was a story about farmers, dairy farmers and uh, produce farmers, um, different parts of the country, of course, you know, having to throw out produce. And, and the way it was worded made me really sad. It made it sound like the farmers were bad. Um, they're dumping their milk you know and um, probably by no fault of that person who said it because Mm -hmm. how would she know how would she know right right, if she wasn't in this industry or she wasn't paying really close attention or directly connected to a farmer so for for those news people if if anybody were to ever see this right what would you say to them Uh, from the seat of a person who cares so much about this industry and the cows and, and her family and her community, um, you know, of of what what could you say
2: to that person? I think I'd say that as farmers, we don't do what we do for the money. Um, we could find much more lucrative lines of work um, with great ease, right? right. Um, We do this because we have a passion for feeding people. We have a passion for being the providers for others. And so to see what we put our blood, sweat, and tears into wasted while people go hungry is shocking and painful for us. We are not... um, we we do not desire this outcome. This is not what we want to do whatsoever. Right. So I I just really wish people would understand that um, this is a unprecedented situation, right? This this is not something we could have truly prepared for, and it hurts us more than you can know.
0: Thank you. Good words, my friend. It was good to see your face. You take care. Yes. If there's anything I can do, don't you hesitate to reach out to, to us and uh, we'll keep you in our thoughts. And so thanks
2: for joining thanks, us here. Ken. I appreciate it. Thanks, Margie. It was really good to see you again.
0: So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shining Bright. Just to wrap it all back in, today is the day for us all to think about what we are doing what our footprint is uh, what we can do as we look forward to better care for the land the air the water that surrounds all of us and so on this earth day that would be my challenge to you to think about one little thing that you can do different maybe in your uh, community maybe in your household maybe on your farm in your business one little thing that you can do different Um, Maybe it's cutting out styrofoam, maybe it's upping your recycling, maybe it's, uh, you know, picking up garbage um, from a public roadway. I mean, who who knows? But one little thing that we all can do, because we all can do one little thing. And if we all do one little thing, it amounts to one really big thing. And I don't know about you, but as you can see, I've stepped outside during uh, this episode and I really love... Uh, the green around me I really love the fresh air the blue sky and so let's all do our part not just today but every day thank you very much for joining us on this shining bright